0: Bibles, if you would, to Acts chapter 5, Acts chapter 5, and uh, the moments we have left, I want to just continue as we go throughout this book of Acts, such a blessing as uh, we see the work of the early church and the apostles as it's all kind of getting started here and what the church is all about, and certainly get a great uh, bunch of examples as we go throughout uh, seeing how they carried themselves. I want to ask a a question tonight. What what does it take to make you quit? What does it take to make us stop doing what we're doing for the Lord? One of the reasons that people quit church, uh, one of the reasons that people quit on God, is that they are working within the church or living for God in their own power. And that is something that we simply cannot be successful in doing. One New Year's Day... They were having the Tournament of Roses parade, and a beautiful float uh, right in the middle of the parade sputtered and died, uh, quit. The engine quit running. It was out of gas. The whole parade was halted until somebody could run with a can of gas and get uh, some fuel somewhere, pour the fuel in and get the uh, rig started up again so the float could continue. The funny thing is that the float represented the Standard Oil Company. With all of its vast oil resources, the truck ran out of gas that was carrying the float. And Christians, were kind of the same way. We have access to God's omnipotent power through the Holy Spirit in our life. How many times are we guilty of running on our own resources? When we have all of that, at our uh, hands, really. What the Bible says in James, uh, says if, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask. And many other places in the Bible. It's there for us. All we have to do is ask. Look with me, if you would, Acts chapter 5, verse number 11. Now, on refresher, what has just happened is Ananias and Sapphira have had a bad day at church. Uh, they came and they lied uh, to Peter and the Holy Spirit, really, uh, for what they were giving. And uh, because of that, uh, the both of their lives were taken from them. They've just been taken outside of the church and buried right on the grounds. No ceremony, no uh, fuss was made for them at all. And now right after this, as you can imagine, uh, there is a certain feeling in the church that's, ex- that's explained in verse number 11. And great fear <laughs> came upon all the church and upon as many as heard these things. And by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people, and they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. And of the rest durst no man join himself to them, but the people magnified them. And believers were the more added to the Lord, multitudes both of men and women, insomuch that they brought forth the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and in couches that, that at least the shadow of Peter passing by might overshadow some of them. There came also a multitude out of the cities round about Jerusalem, bringing sick folks and, and them which were vexed with unclean spirits, and they were healed every one. Then the high priest rose up, and all they that were with him, which is the sect of the Sadducees, and were filled with indignation, and laid their hands on the apostles, and put them in the common prison. But the angel of the Lord by night opened the prison doors, and brought them forth, and said, Go, stand, and speak in the temple to the people. All the words of this life. Tonight, I just want to talk for a few minutes on power and dedication. Power and dedication. Father, I pray you'd be with the reading of your word now. Help us to present it uh, in its uh, truthfulness. And Lord, take me out of the way and magnify your word. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, there's no question that the early church had spiritual power. Uh, I do not want Bible Baptist Church uh, to be a church with programs, and with promotions, and with publicity, and with popularity, but no power. We need the power of God on this church, do we not? We each need the power of God in our uh, Christian lives. We, If we don't have God's power upon us, then this will not be a worthwhile ministry. And so we see here the state of the church after Ananias and Sapphira is going to be a purified body. A great fear came upon all the church, it says here. As many as heard these things. Uh, this is uh, news of what happened, of course, would spread like wildfire through the Christian community and also through the city. Uh, think about what we know uh, with the temple, by the way. I was just thinking this this week. The temple is what they had up to this point, and now the church. What a kind, What an amazing difference between the, the uh, environment at the temple and the environment at this new local church. The church was a happy place. People laughed, they sang, they rejoiced. It says in Acts 2.42 that they fellowshiped and they ate together. Uh, Hey, dinner on the grounds is not a new invention, amen. They had it all the way back then and they uh, fellowshiped and celebrated these things together. Now the church is not only a happy place, it's also a holy place because they have been purified of Satan's first real attack that came through Ananias and Sapphira. Remember we talked about last week uh, that Satan will attack a church from within. He does not uh, have much success from without. We saw that through persecution, uh, but he does certainly have a lot of a success from within the church. Now there's a number of things that the church will need to have power. We've seen that the church here was filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, this is a necessary condition uh, for spiritual power. We also learned in Acts four thirty one that the church was a praying church. Uh, so they had the power of the Holy Spirit. Not only were they filled, but they had. Uh, they also were a praying church. And in this chapter, we see two more uh, the essential elements that are necessary for having the power of God on your life. Purity, number one. We saw that with the uh, taking care of Ananias and Sapphira. And then unity. Uh, purity in the removal of Ananias and Sapphira uh, Sapphira, there was a purifying of the church uh, in that act in and of itself. After that, we read the signs and wonders wrought among the people. This would require great power of God. Now, a church that ignores purity is a church that will not have the power of God within its doors. Purity is important. We need to keep the word of God uh, hot. We need to keep the pulpit right. We need to keep uh, the, uh, the, the the word of God is supreme in the church. Because if we ignore purity, we'll also not have spiritual power. And then they had unity. The Bible says they were all uh, with one accord. This is not talking about a Honda. This means that they were all together. They were all unified. They were all of the same spirit. Uh, one of the early characteristics of the church was unity. Unity is necessary if the church is to have power. Oh, I believe this. So deeply, we need to have unity, unity of purpose, unity of desire, Uh, unity uh, with the Lord in the Lord Jesus Christ. I've said it many times, but I'll suffice to say it again. Unity is not you and I agreeing with everything. Unity is me being tuned into Christ, you being tuned into Christ, and so we're automatically tuned into each other. That's real Christian unity. So we saw the purity of the church and then the progress of the church. Verse 14, and the believers were the more added to the Lord, multitudes both of men and women. Here's yet another great report that we see in the early church there. We find these throughout all the book of Acts. What a success story is being written here. In heaven, uh, Jesus could see that from the horror of the crucifixion, uh, what we just celebrated tonight, not celebrated, but remembered, uh, this is now bearing the fruit of new souls. Many souls are being saved. Uh, for the cause of Christ. The Holy Spirit is doing his work and he's unhindered and souls are being saved every day and being added to the church. Uh, By the way, he's not changed. The Holy Spirit is still about doing that kind of work. Uh, The Holy Spirit is still saving souls. God is still about getting the gospel. Uh, The Lord, we still see folks added to the church and that's a wonderful thing. I really believe if we could see the work of God as heaven sees it we might not be so discouraged i think we would be encouraged the work uh his work on earth is vast it's all around there's multitudes still of faithful people in the world today i love the fact that we're part of many of them serving across the uh o- across the ocean in other countries we have faithful people that are bringing people to christ the holy spirit is at work let us in this church then provide an environment that is conducive for him to work amen And that involves unity. We see the power of the church, verses 15 and 16. Uh, They they were bringing the sick. They laid them on beds and couches. Even the shadow of Peter uh, was overshadowing them and and would heal people. Now, that wasn't the shadow. uh, That was the Lord doing the work. uh, But he was doing it through his uh, men here. This Really, these verses, verse 15 and 16 that we read, kind of reads like a paragraph out of the Gospels, doesn't it? Kind of looks like what happened to Jesus as he's around. But this was God proving to the Jews that the church was the body of Christ and the disciples were his messengers. In 1 Corinthians 1.22, Paul says that the Jews require a sign. Well, they certainly had some signs here, didn't they? They had plenty of signs showing them the validity of this gospel that they were preaching. Huge crowds gathered from all around the city and surrounding communities. And uh, I think it's interesting that Peter's shadow is kind of like the hem of Jesus' garment. Remember that? A woman that just touched the hem of his garment uh, was a uh, was an instrument of the Spirit's power. Now, the gifts, we're not going to get into this again tonight. It's a whole different subject. But we know these are apostolic gifts that were there for a time. Uh, it, God can still and does still heal. Uh, he does not do it in the way he did back then because these are apostolic gifts or given uh, for a season, First Corinthians 13 explains uh, the reason and purpose and the ending of some of those. Then we see the imprisonment of the apostles, verse 17. Then the high priest rose up, and all they that were with him, which is the sect of the Sadducees, and were filled with indignation. Now this is just flat out amazing. How could anybody be angry because people were being healed and set free? How could anybody get mad about people that are possessed with demons and they are now in their right minds? They're released from Satan's hold on their life. And this, not only was it just anybody, it was the high priest. This was the supposed spiritual leader of the church. There is no hatred like religious hatred. Say that again. There is no hatred in the world like religious hatred. Uh, It's a... It is the greatest animosity in the world comes from religion, and we see that and uh, uh, that's why God hates religion. I hate religion. I, I love it. This is a great witnessing tool when you uh, it, some, I'll introduce myself as a pastor and, and uh, witness to people once in a while and they'll come back with something like, "I just don't like organized religion. And I can say, I don't either. I hate religion. God hates religion. And it uh, gives you an opportunity to give the gospel to him because religion is not the answer, amen? Uh, religion is all about what I need to do, 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 do to earn my way to heaven. Christianity, salvation is what God has done for us for us to receive his gift of salvation. And so here you have religion, the same religious crowd that crucified our Savior is now trying to give them all kinds of trouble. And it was not just personal. It was organized. It was deliberate. It was in opposition to the truth and grace of God. The Bible says they laid their hands on the apostles and put them in a common prison. They were treated like common criminals. They were locked up. The religious leaders, they're going to stamp this movement out. They're going to put an end to it. And uh, now they figured they had the leaders of the movement. It would be easy after this. But we see next the freeing of the apostles. In verse 19, Ah, that... Pesky angel of the Lord always gets in the way of their well-laid plans, doesn't he? He says, the angel of the Lord by night opened the prison doors and brought them forth. This is a clear case of divine intervention. This whole transitional period here is packed with the supernatural. God is putting his seal of endorsement on this ch- on his church to the Jewish people. The release of these, ju- these prisoners is one more hammer blow to the conscience of the Sanhedrin the sad sadducees now are taking the lead in opposing christianity here and they are the ones that denied the supernatural uh, just we always use this as a way to remember it uh the pharisees uh they they uh did not the pharisees believed in the resurrection uh not not of christ but in our resurrection in our resurrection when we uh, uh go to heaven the sadducees did not believe in the resurrection and that's why they were sad you see uh but they denied The fact in the face of obvious proof. This is a well-known, documented, testified, observed. There were many witnesses of Christ's resurrection and they denied it, even though there was plenty of proof there. I've often said it, unbelief and evidence are unconnected. I don't know how many times I've heard it. Well, if God is really there, why doesn't he show himself? Well, he did once crucified him. Right? Jesus came to earth. He was God. Uh, I and my father are one. He showed himself and they still didn't believe. Well, why didn't he prove who he was? He did. He did all kinds of miracles. Raised people from the dead. Healed lepers. He healed the sick. He did everything possible to prove who he was and they still didn't believe on him. And so then he did the next impossible thing. After they killed him, he rose from the dead and guess what? They still didn't believe in him. Unbelief is not connected to proof. You can't prove someone, uh, prove Christianity to an unbeliever. Belief uh, is, uh, is, is, the opposite of unbelief is not evidence, in other words. It's faith. Of course, the same crowd that denied the resurrection could easily deny all these miracles that were happening here. But look at their mission here. Uh, verse 20 and 21, the apostles' mission. The angel said here to them, Go stand and speak in the temple so the people, or to the people, all the words of this life. (laughs) The disciples say, What? That's what got us in this place. Go speak again. Go back to preaching. The angels were not freed by the angel. I'm sorry, the apostles were not freed by the angel so they could run away. They were set free so they could go right back to preaching, right doing what they were doing before. They were sent back to the temple. Back to the place where they had been arrested, uh, right where they had been arrested. Verse 21, the high priest came and they that were with him and called the council together. Now he's unaware so far of what's happened. He doesn't know they've been set free. Caiaphas calls a special session of the religious leaders. He surrounds himself, the members of his own party. Uh, he's got everybody on his side. It's time that they make good on the threats that they had given to Peter and John. Now that the arrest had been made. Now they had the leaders. It was time to end this for once and for all. The meeting is called to order. It's time to drop the hammer. Much to their dismay, though, what they did not realize, verse 22, when the officers came and found them not in prison, they returned and told, saying, the prison truly found we shut with all safety. The keeper standing without before the door. They were standing there guarding an empty jail. <laughs> they were ready to fight off any intruders who might come and, and uh, to the empty prison. The cell was still locked and guarded, but no one was inside. Can you imagine that investigation? Where are the prisoners? What do you mean, where are the prisoners? They're in there. No, there's nobody in there. Where did they go? I don't know. I've been here the whole time. Uh, they they had no idea what happened. The men were gone. They didn't know where. All they could do is go sheepishly to the Sanhedrin where this meeting was taking place, what they're going to do with these prisoners. They got there, and they don't have any prisoners anymore. I love when God fumbles plans of Satan, don't you? He just messes it all up. And uh, here he does it again. Now when the high priest and the captain of the temple and the chief priest heard these things, they doubted of them whereunto this would grow. This is fascinating to me. The doubts were not centered around the miracle. Can you imagine this? That here again was proof. God is like showing them who he is. But they, they don't even take a minute to say, how did this happen? Maybe they're, write about what they're saying. In their own rotten hearts, they do not doubt the miracle. Miracles are happening every day, so they don't even worry about the miracle. You would think that they would at least give thought to it. No, no, their only doubt is, how are we going to stop this now? This just keeps happening. We just see miracle after miracle. How are we going to stop this movement? How blinding is unbelief? Oh, you, you, you. if you talk to co-workers, if you talk to unsaved family members or unsaved friends. You know what I'm talking about. Unbelief is so blind. We have the evidence all around us. How could a scientist today doubt creation? Honestly, how could a scientist doubt creation? How could a doctor who knows the intricacies of maybe the eye, the human eye, or the human brain, just the human body, how could he doubt a designer? The evidence is all around us. Oh, We just need to, why doesn't God show himself? He shows himself in many, many ways. And he showed himself in person, and they still didn't believe. Their doubts, they still doubted. Unbelief. In looking at faith and unbelief, we have to look at it in the paradigm of obedience and disobedience. Disobedience is the root of unbelief. Unbelief is the root of further disobedience. You follow on that? So faith is obedience and submission. Remember what faith, when we went through our faith series on Sunday morning, it was belief-inspired obedience. Faith and obedience go hand in hand. Uh, That's faith, belief, and obedience. Uh, But unbelief just leads to more rebellion. So the less one believes, the more he disobeys. The more one disobeys, the less he believes. Belief isn't about proof. And by the way, I really believe this strongly, that we ought to remember this when we witness to people I spent, I had a friend I worked with a, 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 a 10, 15 years ago, and and uh, for, for months we had constant conversation going back and forth, evolution versus, versus creation. And this finally sunk through even my thick skull. I'm not going to get anywhere trying to prove something to him. Unbelief doesn't look for proof. Unbelief looks for ways to explain God out of existence. Uh, where was the doubt? of these supposed spiritual guides of Israel, their doubt was how to put the stop to Christianity. Would to God that we'll never be that stubborn in our Christian life. Amen? That We're that hard to deal with. A man convinced against his will is of the same opinion still. So that was these men right here. Nothing was going to convince them. They had opposed John the Baptist. They had crucified Jesus Christ. Now they would fight the apostles. At no time did anyone ever stop to say, wait. Well, and I'm sure some did, but the ones we're reading here, they never stopped to say, wait a second. Maybe we ought to consider some of what we're seeing here, some of these miracles and some of the things that are happening here. Uh, would Would to God that people would open their eyes even today. Number 25, verse 25, they came one and said and told them, saying, behold, the men whom you put in prison are standing... In teaching the people. (laughs) Would you have wanted to be that messenger? Hey, the guys you locked up for preaching, guess what? They're preaching again. Got to love these apostles. Nothing could be worse for these high priests and his crowd. They had rejected Christ. Then he raised from the dead. It was common knowledge. It was a source of embarrassment for them. And now these ignorant fishermen, you got to remember, these were elite, trained Pharisees, Sadducees, Sanhedrin these were the spiritual uh, the uh, religious elite and these untrained hillbilly fishermen they just can't do anything about it people are flocking to them and they're listening to them and they're getting saved and they're joining their church and they can't even lock them up they're in the middle of the night nobody knows how but they're back there preaching again back at the temple it's an amazing thing so they uh, had a serious problem on their hands verse 26 they went Uh, Then went the captain of the officers and brought them without violence, for they feared the people, lest they should be stoned. This is a faithful church behind these apostles. Going to stone anybody who deals with them roughly. So they're careful about it. They don't want to start a riot. What if these Christians fought back? What they didn't know is that's not what Christians do. Amen? Christians don't have a or shouldn't have a practice of defying authority, except in one area and they told them not to preach the gospel. We, we need to obey God rather than men, but these Christians are not going to uh, fight that way, so they came nicely when they uh, came and arrested them again or asked them to accompany them. Verse 27, when they had brought them, they set them before the council, and the high priest asked, saying, I, I, just, I, I can just feel the frustration in this question. Did we not straightly command you to not teach in this name? Uh, guys, didn't we tell you not to go back there and preach again? And behold, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and tend to bring this man's blood upon us. This is a guilty conscience speaking. May I remind you, they had already brought this man's blood upon them. Remember what they said in Matthew 27, 25? His blood be upon us and our children. Don't blame the apostles for putting his blood upon us. So this was a guilty conscience. Oh, the, the, the great thing about the disciples or the apostles here that we see is all they really desire to do is to bring the blood of Christ to the hearts of these men, not on their heads, to their hearts, that they might be saved from their sin. Listen, they knew that they had no leg to stand on when it came to uh, command them to stop speaking out. This was a violation to their authority and they knew it. Uh, the Sanhedrin, can I tell you, were no longer up against ignorant fishermen. They were now up against the Holy Spirit. And they are different men when they get under the power of the Holy Spirit. Remember, we're talking about the power of, of the early church these religious leaders had now set themselves on a collision course with god's wrath look at verse 29 and peter and the other apostles answered and said we ought to obey god rather than men listen here mr sanhedrin there's a court in heaven that's higher than your court and that's the one we're obeying god sent his had sent his son in the world now he had then he had sent his spirit in the world and now he sent his servants in the world and peter said we're going to be uh, obedient to the Lord. The Sanhedrin had no power to really had no authority to stop them. So this was a question of loyalty. By the way, you still have the same question, that, uh, the same choice before you tonight. Who are you going to be loyal to? That's to this, the apostles. Are you going to be loyal to what Jesus told them to do or are they going to be loyal to these Sanhedrin? Look at verse 30. He uh, Peter reminds them, we're bringing the blood on your heads. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom ye slew and hang on a tree. They used the term God of our fathers. This emphasized their crime. They had sinned against the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jesus had given them ample proof that he was the Messiah. And they had done a, the horrible thing of hanging him on a tree. The law said in Deuteronomy 21, 23, he that is hanged on a tree is accursed by God. Sanhedrin saw crucifixion as an evidence that Jesus uh, was accursed. Some Jews, did you know, still today call Jesus the Tulloi, means the hanged one. They do not know that our Jesus Christ, our Messiah, hung on that tree to pay for our sins. Yours and mine. What a blessing. Verse 31. Him hath God exalted with his right hand to be a prince and a savior, for to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are the witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Ghost, whom God hath given to them that obey Him. The hatred of Christ was complete irrationality. The resurrection had proved them wrong. Jesus was who He said He was. He was the sovereign. He was the Savior. I like how verse 32 ends. It ends with an invitation, whom God hath given to them that obey Him. Listen, there was still time, even for these Sanhedrin, to repent. I love that Peter throws that out there. Anybody can come to Christ. This is the one, probably the last chance that they would have to reverse their rejection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Peter warned them that they are now dealing with the Holy Spirit. It's no longer the Sanhedrin who are the upholders of the truth, the apostles were. It's no longer the nation of Israel that is the center of God's message to man, the local church is. This was a change taking place here. But they could still be saved they would only obey him whom God hath given to them that obey him. Verse 33, when they heard that, they were cut to the heart and took counsel to slay them. Conviction cut deep. The same thing happened when Stephen preached. They got some mad, growing men. Growing men put their fingers in their ears and wouldn't listen to them anymore. They gnashed on him with their teeth. They were so angry. That's what conviction does to you. You can respond to conviction and, and respond right and get right with God, or you can just get angry. Some people get angry in the face of conviction. That's what happened to them here. The, a person will either repent or react wrongly. They were so angry here, they wanted to kill him. At this point, they weren't thinking legal, uh, put him to death. They know they can't do that. They were thinking of murder here. This was what was on their mind. They so hated these men. Can I tell you today what a tremendous threat truth is to religion? I think I've given this story before, but it's a great example. I have two cousins, my first cousins that were on my mom's side, and they were all my mom's family remained Amish when we left. And a number of years ago, brother and a sister, uh, my two cousins left the Amish about at the same time. One of them, the the, the boy, his, excuse me, his name was Jerry, he came to my uh, ended up at my parents' house and uh, came to them for help. And they put him up, and mom and dad helped him uh, get a job, get employment, and he started going to church with them, and he got saved and accepted Christ as personal Savior, and he started to live for God, started to uh, do right and go to church and be faithful. Well, his sister did the opposite. She went and just went crazy. She got into drugs and alcohol and partying and just living it up like so many of them do when they finally sense some freedom. Uh, the interesting thing was the reaction of my grandparents, their parents. Uh, my, uh, grandparents had, so this is my aunt and uncle, I'm sorry. Uh, my grandparents, uh, were very angry with Jerry, but they had a completely open invitation to his sister. She was allowed to come home anytime. They wrote her letters. You can come. You don't have to dress like we do. We just want you to come home. You're welcome in our home anytime. We just love you. We want you to come back, and uh, we want you back in our family. Jerry got a different letter. His was, you're dead to us. We don't ever want to have uh, hear from you again. You're not our son anymore. We have nothing to do with you. We completely disavow you. Now, that's made me scratch my head at first. He's living right. He's going to church. He's living a morally upright life. Why would they be so angry with him, but they're completely accepting of her? And she's living for the devil. And this truth is what we find here. Truth is a threat to religion. Sin is not. Sin's no threat to religion. Truth is a threat to religion. And so when the same thing happened to our family, when we uh, got saved and we got baptized, we joined A church and we started to be faithful, I asked my dad uh, years later after we left, I said, you know, it's been 10 years and 15 years and 20 years past and none of us are, uh, you know, none of us have got broken families and we're all going to church and many of us are preachers and we're living for God. Shouldn't that count for something? No, no, it doesn't at all. Because truth is a tremendous threat to religion. Or sin isn't. You think these guys went down to Skid Row and picked up drunks and put them in jail because they threatened their religion? No, sin doesn't threaten religion. Truth does. That's why they were so angry and so vehemently opposed to these apostles. And it's a reminder to us, too, that sometimes you'll be attacked. Sometimes you'll be mocked if you give the gospel out or you hand out a gospel tract or you speak about the truth of the gospel. Uh, because religion has a tremendous uh, hatred for the truth. These men had power from God, but they didn't only have power. They had the dedication to put it to work. They went right back to preaching after they were released from prison. And these men were so angry that murder seemed a solution. But then another voice was heard, and next week, We'll get into that as we uh, look at some uh, somebody that tried to bring a little reason into this meeting and how they responded.